Good morning. When I was growing up, there was a fantastic TV show that I would watch starring Bill Bixby about a guy who had to live this kind of like nomadic lifestyle where he was searching for a cure to a condition that he had. Each week he would uh, be somewhere new, inevitably uh, something would go wrong. He'd need to help something at, somebody out. And, uh, you know, something would go wrong, and, and Bixby's character, his name was Dr. David Banner, he would get angry. And usually when people would be trying to provoke him, he would say, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But, of course, they would because they're dumb. And uh, then his eyes would turn green in this wonderful shot. There would be some awesome music. And then uh, he would transform into the Incredible Hulk, played by bodybuilder Lou Ferrigno. Seriously, this is a great show. You should go back and watch it. <laughs> I think it was like 78 to early 80s. Um, so I wasn't even like old enough to watch it, but it was still fantastic. Um, so the Hulk would, of course, come in, save the day, destroy some things. And uh, poor Dr. Banner went through a lot of shirts, too, because they would always rip off. Um, and eventually, he would transform back into himself, and then the show would end with him continuing to go down the road to the next town while this sad piano music played in the background. But what triggered that transformation into the Hulk? It was anger, because that's what you want to talk about on Valentine's Day Sunday, is <laughs> anger. Anger is such an issue that we see in our society today, right? I mean, really, all you've got to do is just drive anywhere, and you're probably going to see somebody who's angry. And a lot of us can turn into the Hulk when we're driving. You know, we experience road rage. Um, I mean, how often do we talk to the other drivers like they can actually hear us when <laughs> we're talking? Or, or we let them know that they're number one? Um, <laughs> What are you guys thinking of? One. You do like I do and just be like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, I think it's uh, roundabouts that are doing it. They're, they're uh, anyway. <laughs> Where else can we see anger in today's world? I mean, you turn on the TV, you watch the news, and you're probably going to see somebody who's angry. I mean, I've seen stories about peaceful protests that aren't really all that peaceful. Um, you got people just screaming at each other. You, the highest-rated TV shows, a lot of them, are like debate shows where it's just people yelling at each other the whole time. Go to a kid's sports game sometime, and you're going to see anger because you've got parents who are yelling at woefully underpaid refs and umpires. It's, I mean, and we could talk about politics, but we don't want to. So, um, But everybody's always mad at each other there, it seems like. It's rough. The worst part, though, is that there's a lot of Christians who let anger get the best of them. And as Christians, we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we've been talking about in this series. And we're on the seventh of our ten messages on this subject of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Our main passage for the series is 1 Corinthians 13. We've read it every week. And in verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not easily angered. We're going to look today at what it means that love is not easily angered. We're going to look, see how the Bible looks at anger. We're going to see how Jesus taught about anger. 
And we're going to see if it's okay to ever be angry, if it's ever okay to be angry. We, we want to become more like God as well, and, and we want to learn to deal with our anger appropriately. So we're going to start by asking the question, what is anger? Well, the New Oxford Dictionary says that anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. It seems about right, but how does the Bible talk about anger? Well, the Bible actually uses an idiom because it's written in Hebrew and, and Greek, and the Hebrew part of this, it's an idiom of where they talk about having a short temper to be angry. And when they wanted to talk about somebody being angry, they would talk about their nose. And what they would say is that their nose burned hot if they're short-tempered. An example of this that I've seen comes uh, from Genesis thirty-nine nineteen, which talks about Potiphar. And he was uh, the, the master of Joseph as, after he was slown, uh, sold into slavery. Potiphar's nose burned with anger, or his nose became hot um, after his wife told him the lie that Joseph has mistreated him. It says that he burned with anger in most translations, but literally it says his nose became hot. Anger is the second most mentioned emotion in Scripture, and it is second only to love. There are a number of reasons, too, that it gives that people would be angry. The first is from jealousy. And we can see this in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. Two brothers are presenting offerings to the Lord, and the Lord looks with favor on, on Abel's offering. In Genesis 4, verse 5, it says, But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. You got jealousy. There's also pride. In the short book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah was supposed to go to the city of Nineveh and preach that the city was going to be overthrown after 40 days. The Ninevites repented, actually, and they, they turned to God, and God relented in what he said was going to happen. And then in Jonah 4, verse 1, it says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. See, Jonah didn't like the Ninevites, and he knew that if they turned to God, that God would spare them. These are people who are considered evil. They're Gentiles, and, and Jonah's pride, it got the better of him, wanting to see them destroyed instead of saved. Another reason for anger would be when people hear the truth that they don't really want to hear. Jeremiah was accused of deserting to the enemy after preaching that Babylon was going to come and conquer Jerusalem. And he denied that he was defecting, of course, because he wasn't. He was just saying God's words. He was prophesying on behalf of God. And they didn't believe him. They arrested him. And in Jeremiah 37, 15, it says that they were angry with Jeremiah because, or, and had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan the secretary, which they had made into a prison. So you've got jealousy. You've got pride. You've got the truth. All wrong ways that can cause us to get angry. But is there ever a time when anger is the right reaction to something? And I, I think there is. I think there are times where that's true. Typically, I would say it's when others are being treated wrongly or they're being led down a wrong path, a path of destruction. You think about Moses. He got angry when he came down the mountain. He's carrying the, the tablets for the Ten Commandments. And he comes down the mountain and uh, being with God, and he finds the Israelites there worshiping a golden calf idol instead of the true God. 
And in Exodus 32, 19, it says that when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. Jesus also got angry when people were taking advantage of others. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But when we do get angry, what happens? Like, what can be some of the results of anger? Well, there's conflict and strife, especially between family members. We see this, again, with Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous, so he committed the first murder. He killed his brother. That's recorded in Scripture. Or you can look at the relationship between Jonathan and his father, Saul, because of Jonathan's friendship with David. And Saul was the first king of Israel. Saul throws his spear at his own son to try and kill him, you know, because of the rage that was in him. Another result of uh, anger is that people sin when they're angry. Proverbs 29:22 says that an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. The Apostle Paul writes about anger leading to sin, and he says in Ephesians 4:26, "In your anger, don't sin." Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Now, there are ways where your anger won't lead to sin, but you've got to be careful not to let it. All right, so how did Jesus talk about anger? How did he teach about anger? During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching his disciples when he says this in Matthew 5, 21 and 22. It says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. You see, Jesus is drawing a parallel between murder and anger. And while murderers are subject to judgment, so too are those who are angry with a brother or sister. It's the storing up of wrath against somebody who is either you know, a sibling or even a member of a religious community because we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and you, know, you know, when you store up anger inside of you and you don't have like a proper outlet for it, you damage not just your relationship with your brother or sister, but you're also damaging yourself in the process because you're letting that anger do something to you inside, like it festers inside of you. And I don't know if you're like me at all in this, but you know, I'm, I'm way better than I used to be. But if, if I used to be when I got angry at somebody, I, I would keep it all inside, and I would, I would hold on to it. And I found... Rather than just running out to meet it, I let that thought, that anger kind of cloud how I viewed that person. That's, that's not good. So ideally, we wouldn't be angry. Ideally, we're not going to be angry with our brother or sister, just like we wouldn't commit murder. But if we are angry, then we need to learn to deal with that anger well. What's interesting is that even Jesus did get angry. We see that a number of times in the Gospels where Jesus became angry with different people. For example, when he came to the temple, he found them exchanging money and, and kind of like running a business inside the temple. In, in John two fifteen through 17, it says that he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. 
He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. There's another time when Jesus was in the synagogue uh, in Galilee, and there was a man with a shriveled left hand there, or shriveled hand. It was the Sabbath, and some of the people there, some of the religious leaders, they wanted to see what Jesus would do on the Sabbath if he would heal this man, which was, you know, supposedly against the rules. Mark 3, verses 4 and 5 says this, Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. He was angry because they were putting their own understanding of the law, their, their, their own rules, really, over the well-being of this man. That's what we typically see when Jesus gets angry. Like, he is displaying it when leaders are taking advantage of their people. Ultimately, we want to become like God in how we deal with anger, which to some might sound a little weird. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say that God is an angry, vengeful God? It's like he delights in tormenting people or ordering genocide especially if you look in the Old Testament. But when I read the whole of Scripture, I I don't necessarily see that. I see a God who is patient and loving with his people who rebel against him at almost every turn. I mean, when Moses was on Mount Sinai with God getting the second stone tablets after he had broken the first tablets and that had the Ten Commandments, God came down, and he proclaimed his name to Moses. Now, our Bibles translate his name as the Lord, but it's called the Tetragrammaton. It's it's four letters in Hebrew. It's uh, basically Y-H-W-H or Yahweh. And it says in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, and he passed in in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. The Lord slow to anger. And again, the literal way that this is written in Hebrew, it's about the nose says that the Lord is long of nose. Instead of having a hot, short nose, when you're you're described as having a long nose, it it takes a lot longer for that heat to get to your face, right? That's how we should want to be. We want to be slow to anger. That's how James wrote about it in James 1, 19 and 20. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If we want to be righteous, then we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get angry. 
It just means that we slow the anger. But if we do get angry, it should be toward righteous ends and only to glorify God and not ourselves. Because anger is typically a self-centered thing, right? It happens when we think that we've been wronged in some kind of way. But as we continue to grow in the spirit, we gain a better perspective on things. And, and we start to get angry at the true injustices that are done against others. Anger, then, is something that, like Colossians 3, verse 8 says, that we should rid ourselves of. We take it off. And then in Colossians 3.12, Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So if we want to love our neighbor well, anger is something that should be rarely used and only when we can give glory to God. We are to, as Paul continues in verse 15, to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you see, our focus changes. Now, does that mean that we're not going to have to deal with any improper anger that we have against others? Probably not. Like, we're still going to get angry, but, but should that come? Um, I, I, I did some research in, in one of my biblical counseling books that I have. They had some ideas to help us deal with anger. So there are five things that we should do when we're dealing with anger. And the first is, of course, pray about it. Pray, pray, and then, you know, pray some more. Speak with God. Confess to him your anger. Confess your sin. Because as John writes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So pray. Now, as part of this, we should also be renewing our mind with the word of God. And if you've been in my Sunday school class, you've heard this a lot from the author that we're learning from, but... You know, I'm latching on to this myself quite a bit. Memorize scripture. Memorize the, the passages that talk about this. Meditate on that scripture. Really think about it. Internalize it. Be like David. Store it up in your hearts. Have it ready to go for when you need it. And maybe it is scripture like James 1.19 that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Maybe it's one of the Proverbs, but whatever verse or passage, memorize it, meditate on it. Don't just let it be here, though. Put it here. Put it in your heart. And then when a situation arises that might cause you anger, God's going to bring that verse to your mind. Because you've stored it up in your heart for just such a time. I mean, how did Jesus answer Satan in the wilderness when he was being tempted? It was with Scripture. It is powerful. 
It is God's word, living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. All right, so that's really the baseline for all of Christian living. Pray. The second thing that we need to do is to see it, see the anger. You need to identify what triggers anger in you. Try and do that this week. Go home, really think about it, and then just write out a list of like the things that trigger anger inside of you. And then, you know, if by chance you find yourself getting angry during the week about something that's not on the list, you can write that down on your list too. List out the things that are triggers for you. It might be driving or other people's driving. It it might be an IU basketball game where you think they can hear your coaching from the couch. Or you think the referees actually care that they're not very good. Or, Or it might be on a golf course. I don't know. I only relate to some of these. Uh, it might be some it might be some things at your job though or it might be at home list those things out and then if it is possible delay it if it is if it is possible disengage from the thing that causes you anger now the book recommended 20 minutes at a minimum get yourself out of that situation and calm down Proverbs 29.11 says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Proverbs 16.32 says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. I read a story about Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, who's, I guess, pretty well known for his temper. Here's how the story is reported. It says that once when he complained to Lincoln at Stanton, complained to Lincoln about a certain general. Lincoln told him to mail the man a letter, to write the man a letter. He says, tell him off. And Stanton, who was kind of bolstered by the president's support, promptly wrote a scathing letter in which he tore the man to shreds. And he showed the letter to the president. Good, said Lincoln. First rate. You certainly gave it to him. And as Stanton started to leave, Lincoln asked, well, what are you going to do with it now? Well, mail it, of course, said Stanton. Nonsense, said the president. You don't want to mail that letter. Put it in the stove. That's what I do when I've written a letter while I'm angry. You've had a good time writing that letter. Now write another. You've got to give yourself time to calm down. When you're angry, when you're in the heat of it, when you are hot-nosed, the odds are so much higher that you're going to say or you're going to do something that you regret. And I speak that from experience. So write, write down something if you can. Do some of the, whatever you can to, to remove yourself from the situation and let it go. Just don't shoot that text or the email back immediately. Talk with somebody who isn't related to the thing that's causing you anger. And, and don't go to that person just to vent either. Like, take advice from them. You may need somebody who can be a sounding board for you, who can listen to you vent, but you also need to be able to listen to them. They can, they, they've got to be able to come back at you and say, yeah, but you really didn't look at it from this side, this point of view. So if at all possible, delay it. And then control it. Control your anger. Focus on responding instead of reacting. Don't engage with it if you can't do it without getting hot. 
if you do confront somebody, focus on restoring the relationship, not destroying it, not destroying the person. Slow yourself down, like literally. Speak slowly. Speak quietly. Try to be empathetic. Try to see their side of things. All of these things will help you control your anger. And there's one other. You've got to give up whatever right that you think you have for revenge. If there is revenge to be had, let God handle that because he's going to be way better at it than you will. Romans 12, 19 says, Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Last thing on our list is to settle it. Settle your anger. Basically, let God work in your life to change your life to where your instinct is to be like God, to be slow to anger. Some things that you can do to avoid this or to aid this is to find an accountability partner, somebody that you can go to, you can talk these feelings out with. You also need to keep growing spiritually. Remember the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. That's the fruit of the Christian life. That's the fruit of a spirit-led, Christ-following life. Continually surrender to the Holy Spirit. Keep reflecting on God's grace and his mercy. Pray. Talk about the feelings, the regrets. Forgive others. Let go of your resentment. Let go of your bitterness. And love, even those people that make you angry, (laughs) love them. And if you need, find biblical counseling. Um, There are are biblical counselors in this town, I I know it, and um, we'll talk with you too. We love, I mean, that's one of the things that we do as pastors is, is we walk through life with you. And sometimes, you know, it's when you're angry, things are messy. Most importantly, though, follow the example of Jesus. In Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Paul writes to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We are able to forgive because we have been forgiven. We should want to see people the same way that Christ sees them. As people who are made in God's image. A lot of times we look at them like they're our enemy. They're not our real enemy. Satan is. They're lost. And they need Jesus, just like you do. What would it look like if... if What would it look like to others if if we, instead of responding in anger, we responded in love? Jesus prayed for the people who were crucifying him, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
He died for them too. And we can die too, not in the same way, but we can die to ourselves. We can die to that self-righteous need for revenge. We can die to our self-centered anger. And we can pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And then I think we'll wow people with how we respond. When the world would respond with anger, we don't. And then we might get an opportunity to tell them why we respond that way. It's all because 2,000 years ago, the Son of God went to a cross for me and for you so that we might be able to be with him forever. And until that glorious day comes, we want to help others follow him as well. We're not going to do that if we're angry. I'm going to pray for us, pray for our communion time. And then following communion, we're going to have two baptisms today. And uh, so... We'll have a we'll have the video, you know, because we'll point one of the cameras over there to our baptism or baptistries over there, uh, and so we'll have a camera up here so you guys can see it too. <laughs> um, so, let me pray for us as we uh, close out. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for your love and mercy, your grace in sending Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we can be saved. Lord, we we come to a time where in our service where every week we take time to remember that sacrifice that was made so many years ago. But you knew about us. You knew about the sins that we would commit before we were Christians, you knew about the ones after we are Christians, and, and you still died for us. And it is so amazing, your love. That's what we want to do, Lord. We want to model your love to the world. We want to show them, because you loved us so much, you've forgiven us so much. We want to show them that, because we want them to have what we do. Lord, we're not going to model that well if we're angry at people. I pray that you would help us to overcome that anger, to help control that anger, to direct it at the right things, the things that bring honor and glory to you. Father, we we just thank you. We thank you for the baptisms that are going to happen today. People who are sold out for you. I want to follow you, Lord, and, and to, to mark that um, so publicly with a baptism. To die to self so that we can live with you. Thank you so much, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray all these things. Amen.